If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You found primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is primetime action here on VSIN. Happy to be with you. I'm Jeff Parles. He's Wes Reynolds. Kelly Bidlin is here. We're happy to be with you. Final Thursday of February, Wes Reynolds, which means more hockey, more college hoops, and a return of the NBA tonight. Yeah, absolutely. We do have a full card in the NBA. We've got uh, college basketball, of course. Most of the ranked matchups, by the way, going to come later tonight. Is one of note, at least for me personally, and also for a a bubble team in the NCAA tournament, and that would be the Indiana Hoosiers hosting Maryland in Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Indiana. Going to close six is Indiana. Six and a half, actually, at DraftKings. 135, 135 and a half on the total. Indiana has lost five straight, so now's the time to get to win in here. You don't want to lose this game or then you are not in one of those last four in. You're going to be out. I would say I would agree with you 100%. That would be uh, basically putting them in a situation in the Big Ten tournament. We're going to have to win two. They're probably mm-hmm. in a situation where and, you win and, your first and, game and, you're okay. You know, following this program being an alum my whole life, this team has always sucked in the Big Ten tournament, so you never want to count on a Big <laughs> Ten tournament run for Indiana. Let's, uh, Wes, let's, let's, let's get into the games that are starting in a few moments here. Let's start on the ice, though. we got a quartet of games coming at the top of the hour. We do, and uh, Minnesota Wild are up in uh, Toronto tonight. Minnesota getting a little bit of support, at least in the overnight and during the afternoon. Leafs minus 140, plus 120 on the Minnesota Wild. Total juice to the over at 6.5, minus $1.30. Washington Capitals and the New York Rangers. Uh, Caps get some reinforcements returning tonight. T.J. Oshie is back. Justin Schultz is back. Nicholas Backstrom is back. And when you have those guys back, predictably, most of the action, it seems, throughout the afternoon has been on the caps. So at DraftKings, Rangers minus 120, caps even money, sixth juice to the under at 125. Columbus and Florida, I believe we have two backup goaltenders tonight, and that's why you've seen this total really rise. Seven juice to the over, minus 130 at DraftKings. Florida Panthers minus 450, plus 330 on the Blue Jackets. And then the last here that's about to face off in a couple minutes, Pittsburgh Penguins hosting the New Jersey Devils. Penguins minus 275, Devils plus 230, six and a half your total. Kelly, what, what, what do you have tonight, hockey expert? Oh man, I got nothing for you on the ice. No, tonight. yeah, no, nothing for you. You're Jeff. not even going to take a bite on the uh, the under seven plus money, even with two terrible goalies in there. <laughs> got to like that. You got to like that. No, no, I'm not, I'm not doing. I'm not doing that. All I got is NBA tonight. I have one pr- player prop: Andre Drummond over twenty and a half points plus rebounds. Uh, the Nets taking on the Celtics here early on. The Celtics, uh, a good interior defensive team, but they've got nobody on that. Ro- all their bigs are about six foot eight. That's it. So Drummond's going to have about five inches on all of them. Uh, the, only, the only question with this one, honestly, is how they mix up their big rotation for Brooklyn right now with uh, with Kevin Durant still out. They got a lot of bigs. They don't have a lot of help on the outside though. So hopefully Drummond gets those minutes, goes over uh, twenty and a half points and rebounds. The only NBA game that's starting immediately in less than five minutes. The first game out of the All-Star break is Cleveland at Detroit. 
Cavs five and a half point favorites right now with a total of 209. That's going to be getting going momentarily there in Motown West. Yeah, I actually did play this. I played seven on the buy minus 120. That's not available. Six is the best you're going to get. It's pretty much five and a half right now. No Karis LeBert, no Darius Garland for the Cavs. Rajon Rondo going to get the start for the Cavaliers. Obviously, they have been very good. I, I want to say first half of the season, even though we're already 58 games done. <laughs> so we're really kind of in the final third of the season, if you will. But uh, Cleveland, look, they were kind of one of those teams that we thought might show a little bit of regression because we talked Talked about that shot quality data last night, the schedule. So I did take the Pistons as a home dog tonight. Over yeah, Cleveland. some news coming out for the Cavs today. And like Karis LeVert will be out for a week, one to two weeks is what they're calling it, uh, with a foot injury. So we'll have to see how long that ends up lingering for him. Darius Garland won't play tonight. They expect him back in their next game, though. So something to keep in mind if you're looking to bet the Cavs here the next couple games. We'll keep that in mind for sure there, Kelly. Uh, the uh, You mentioned the uh, the Nets and the Celtics. Kelly's on uh, on uh, Drummond prop. This is up to nine now, Wes. Uh, Boston laying mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Again, the Nets, none of the new big three will be in action tonight. Yeah, I, I don't believe we have a lineup. We'll probably get that in the next 15 minutes. But for the Nets, of course, Dragic not going. Simmons obviously not going. We know Joe Harris has been out since November. James Johnson is going to give it a go, though. But I thought about Boston, but this got up to nine, as high as nine and a half. So this was a pass for me. Yeah, no no play here. Kelly only with the drum and prop, the only play for the three of us on this one. Uh, I know you have something on this next game, though, starting at 8 o'clock Eastern time. The number one seed going into the All-Star break in the Eastern Conference tied with Miami, mm-hmm. of course. The Chicago Bulls, they're going to host the Atlanta Hawks tonight. This open four has been pretty much one way a one-way street on Atlanta here, down to three now. Bulls laying at home and a very high total of 240. Yeah, I, I took three and a half. Now, the Hawks haven't been very good against the Bulls, really, this season. They've lost both meetings. By the way, Tristan Thompson, newly acquired Tristan Thompson, going to go for Chicago. Ayo Desonmu also upgraded to probable with the thumb injury. Uh, for Atlanta, Lou Williams still was questionable. Gorgie Dang's not going to play, and John Collins, of course, has been out for a couple weeks. But I did take Atlanta plus three and a half, and we kind of talked about them that maybe they were the team they'd been disappointing the start of the season that was kind of on the outside looking in that could make a little run I do think the Bulls are going to show at least a little bit of regression I don't think they're going to necessarily fall you know tumble totally down the standings but thought there was some spots to go against them and this might be one tonight I took three and a half with Atlanta I know our guy Will Hill on this as well with you on Atlanta uh I made money line this before before the uh, before the game starts. We'll we'll see there. Yeah, it was a it was a lean to Atlanta for me as well. I might try to look to get it. I, I'm going to look to get in on them live if Chicago goes up. Uh, not enough separation for me to bet it pregame, but yeah, it, this might be a live bet for me tonight, Jeff. Kelly, uh, a good one out west coming at eight o'clock Eastern. Also, Memphis at Minnesota. Grizzlies on the road laying two. Another just giant total here of two forty one for Memphis and Minnesota, Kelly. Yeah, not, uh, neither team loves to play defense too much. Grizzlies, uh, you know, they're coming, uh, you know, still one of the hottest teams in the NBA. There's no doubt about that. I 
Wes, I know you're on the Minnesota side of this. I got close to pulling the trigger on Memphis, uh, so I'm going to gladly stay away. I, I, that was a lean, but if <laughs> yeah. Wes is going to go Minnesota, I'm just going to stay well, away. I didn't get the best number here, unfortunately. I could have got two and a half and maybe bought it up to three. But look, Memphis has been kind of that buzz team. Of course, you know, they're going for it. They're going to try to see if they can catch at least Golden State for that two spot. I don't know if they're going to catch Phoenix for the one, but another team that's coming together that's a very young team that I think is kind of getting overlooked a little bit is the Minnesota Timberwolves yep. because of what Memphis is doing. So I got to think, and now, now the one thing that worried me about the Timberwolves a little bit here in this spot is that they do get the Sixers tomorrow, and that's going to be James Harden's debut as a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. So, uh, look, uh, Memphis uh, have been very good, or Minnesota, rather, has been very good lately. I think eighth in net rating and third in offensive efficiency since they last met six weeks ago. Got that from JBT's write-up. Of course, he writes up the NBA card every day at VEASAN. So, I followed along, and I went with the home dog, T-Wolves. Yeah, they are. I'm looking at stats right now. Since January 1st, they are sixth in net rating in the league. Memphis is fourth. Uh, only a, a point and a half differential between those two, though. So that's uh, that's why you're seeing the spread on this game that you are. Um, it makes sense that, that uh, you know, it's, it's this short. Memphis shouldn't be laying anything more than that. That's for sure. Two college games that are of big note at 9 o'clock Eastern West. Let's start out West here. San Francisco, the Dons hosting Gonzaga. Really just a, a ginormous opportunity mm -hmm. for San Francisco tonight. This actually opened 11, quickly bet to 10.5, and, and now settling in market-wide, including the DraftKings, of the Dons getting 10 against Gonzaga at home tonight. Big total, 157.5 at DK. You also have 158 out there. I did take 10.5. I know it's hard to go against Gonzaga here. but uh, And look, uh, San Francisco played Gonzaga closest as anybody in the West Coast Conference. That being said, uh, they they lost by 16 up in the kennel in, in Spokane. So, look, uh, San Francisco still was able to cover that number of 16 and a half up there against Gonzaga. They shot six of 21 from beyond the arc. If they do that tonight, obviously, they are not going to hang within that number. But this is the game for San Francisco. If you somehow pull the upset here, I think you lock yourself in as an at-large team out of the West Coast Conference. I really do. Oh, absolutely. That's the they're twenty-two and seven. Look, they're right on the bubble. They're kind of in that last four in, first four out, kind of right in that mix right now with that muck of probably like sixteen to twenty teams right now that can claim that. But San Francisco's got a really solid backcourt now. Bouye's got to be better than he was last time out, but. You know, I think that they can hang with this team on the on the glass. San Francisco actually does have some sides with uh, uh, Masalski, rather, that's how yes. you pronounce his name. And then, of course, Patrick Tate, the Duke transfer. So they've got the size to hang with uh, young Chet Holmgren. No, I 100% agree. Didn't quite make my card yet. I probably will take uh, before game time, see if we can get the hook back on with San Francisco and then take them there. Uh, I, by the way, Wes, if the Dons had better closing ability, mm -hmm. we'd be talking about a team that may end up on the six line as opposed to being on the bubble. No, I've been impressed with this team. I think this is a good team. They they took a bad loss a couple weeks ago, and then yeah. it's like, okay, Portland. you know, yeah, it was Portland. Uh, the Pilots have actually been playing better lately, but obviously their profile not very good. So 22-7 and seven is USF. They've got some good wins, too. They beat Davidson, a very good team, UAB, UNLV, Fresno State, so BYU as well. So they've got good wins, but obviously nothing would be as big as this one. Here, we'll, we'll go We'll go with the, the, the uh, games that I've played tonight, uh, since we haven't shown them, and, and it kind of leads into the next game that we'll look at uh, a little bit. Illinois, of course, uh, now seven and a half point favorites against Ohio State. The uh, 
question of, D, of EJ Liddell because of the flu. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to lay six earlier in the day. Uh, got that before that hopped up. Uh, I still like it at seven and a half, especially if Liddell doesn't play. Illinois should be able to have their way, and no one can really guard Cokeburn on that Ohio State team. I'm on William & Mary plus eight. That's an action right now. That does not look good early right now in Boston against Northeastern. Laying three later with Murray State against Belmont in the big one in the OVC. Took ten and a half with Central Michigan against Miami of Ohio. I took five with UNC Wilmington against Drexel. And then Old Dominion I took against FAU for one reason that I'll explain throughout the show. That is maybe a little bit of arrogance on my end more than anything, but I like my position there. We're heading to the NBA. NBA season stat matchups. Creative Market, next on Primetime Action. You are looking live at Primetime Action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is Primetime Action here on VSIN. I'm Jeff Parles, Wes Reynolds. To my right, Kelly Bidlin in his usual chair. So uh, the reason I bet Old Dominion, back mm-hmm. to our, our, our uh, bets here, uh, one one big sport, one big sports book in right. the country, uh, one, one of their PR guys uh, who, who's very good at his job, by mm-hmm. the way, I should say, tweets out the biggest bets that there are in that day for that certain sports book. The number one largest bet, someone put 17000 down on Florida Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, plus a half, so might as well be pick yes. against Old Dominion. Maybe a little bit of arrogance on my end, but I, I you have to really kind of you kind of have to think. You're that guessing one through that's there. not some wise guy. Yeah, I'm guessing that's not a wise guy play on that. Yeah. So we'll see. Old Dominion's up early, but still a lot of ball. No, game I can understand. One more uh, game that did just tip off here. I did play Marshall, kind of win against the herd. Middle Tennessee State has been red hot, and Marshall has been very disappointing. Yet Middle Tennessee State, who's in contention and gone for USA to win that conference, only laying seven to Marshall. This is a team that's already north of the 20 win mark. And then when I look at kind of the ratings, you know, when you look at those like Ken Palms or those Bartorvics, they're supposed to be like double digit favorites. And I was like, like seven, they're only getting seven. That's one of those uh, CNC music factory things that make you go, hmm, plays. 100%. Uh, also, nice uh, going against the herd pun in there while betting uh, Marshall there. Do you see what I did there? Very, very nicely see done. What I did. Very nicely done there for sure. Let's uh, let's go to some NBA uh, markets. Uh, man, this is a creative one from DraftKings uh, on this. Going into the second half of the uh, – it's not the second half. The final quarter of the season since mm-hmm. the All-Star game is so darn late now. Uh, a, a trio of head-to-head point-per-game matchups here. And we can flash them all because they involve three players. And there's three matchups for it. Oh, we'll start at the top here, Wes. And we'll see if any of these uh, uh, interest you. Donovan Mitchell against Devin Booker. Mitchell leads Booker by two-tenths of a point right now mm-hmm. at 25.7 against 25.5. Mitchell, a slight favorite at minus 125 right now over Devin Booker. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, I think, when you look, because how many games are the Suns up right now? Like six mm-hmm. in terms of over the Warriors six in the and West? Because there's a possibility, let's say Phoenix has this wrapped up in the final week, week and a half of the season, that 
you know, Booker's not Booker's not going to play or you're going to see his minutes at least diminish a little bit. You know, maybe they don't totally rest him, but maybe it's like, okay, we're, you know, just to kind of keep him active. We're only going to play him like 15, 20 minutes. So, you know, that could obviously push down your average a little bit if you're not playing as many minutes. And, of course, I mentioned last night, Jazz, number one scoring team in all of the NBA. So no surprise that Mitchell would be the favorite. That would be certainly where I would lean here. Uh, no, no shock there, uh, Ke- Kelly. Uh, on any of these, these are there. There are a lot of factors that you can look at here. Yeah. You can look at amount of games left, amount of games that these guys have played, where they are in the standings. Uh, and, and right now, you see Devin Booker, who's actually two tenths below Jason Tatum here, is actually favored over Tatum right now. Yeah, I love what Wes just said because initially I started thinking, well, you'd want to play Booker in one of these because. Chris Paul out now out for a while. His usage rate's going to go up, and Booker's always going to kind of look to shoot first before he's going to look to pass. But what West just said is completely right. This team's so far up. If they start, you know, he starts playing three quarter games. That that's going to burn you in this market. Mm-hmm. Now, if they sit him out altogether, great. That doesn't hurt you, right, right. West? But what you're worried about is him playing three quarters. They go up and then they pull him from the game. Yeah, that would concern me enough not to touch him at all in this market. So really, I guess the only one where I'd probably look at then is why is Tatum minus one or or, or Mitchell minus one twenty five. And Tatum's minus 105 against him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, there's not really that big of a difference in either one of those guys to me. So if anything, I guess I'd play the the Tatum over Booker one at minus 105. No, I, I agree with that, too, mm-hmm. because I think Boston is starting to come along. You are starting to see this emergence of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as a duo. And we noted it before the All-Star break. I know John Von Tobel was on here talking about it in terms of, hey, this Celtics team all of a sudden has something going. They lose that one game to Detroit, the one one game before the all-star break where they had already probably mentally checked out a little bit after they had won nine in a row. But yeah, I would be looking at the Tatum over Booker one as well. If I were to get involved here, I mean, and th- that team, you know, is not taking any nights off. They've no. got a ton to play for. Yeah. Now, because they've got some spots to make up and they're closer than you think in terms of those high end teams. And especially when you've got a couple high end teams in the East, we know obviously Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, those are kind of the big three that everybody talks about in the East. And I would say throw Miami in there. I think Miami's going to hang around, but you've got some unproven commodities up there, like Chicago and with Cleveland, so there is a possibility, I think, still for Boston to maybe get in that four spot, at least get that home court in the first round. Kelly, one thing you brought up there, Donovan Mitchell has dealt with injury this year. Donovan Mitchell also missed the All-Star game with an upper respiratory infection. That's one of those where you mentioned injuries and missing games actually don't hurt you. Yeah, it doesn't hurt you. That part doesn't hurt Because it's scoring average, not total uh, amount of points scored in the season. So that's another thing to look at, like you said, in all these markets. We were talking about earlier in the week, Ben brought this up. It's a good point. You 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 do have to play, I forget what the number of games is. You have to play a certain number of games for your season stats to count officially. So that is something to keep in mind with this market. If Mitchell's one of those guys where he's already missed some games, if he goes and misses a bunch more, he might not even end up qualifying for the points per game uh, stat category, which means this market, I would assume your bet is just void then. Be a little mm. complex, I yeah, would It say. might be a little complex, but just these are things you need to keep in mind if you're going to go bet a market like this. But let's, go to, uh, let's go to rebounds per game here. Uh, another good market. 
from DraftKings. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis, of course, now of the Sacramento Kings, minus 160, averaging 12 rebounds a game right now uh, versus Jonas Valanciunas. Of course, the Pelicans, 11.5 boards a game, plus 130 on that one. Luka Doncic versus Mitchell Robinson, the other good one here. Doncic uh, at 9.2, minus 155 against Robinson, who's at 8.7, plus 125, Wes. Yeah, and it's Bryce to Sabonis. By the way, both these guys at that top there on teams probably not going to be making the playoffs in the Western Conference and teams that were obviously sellers for various reasons. But Sabonis now with Sacramento, the fact that I think that this was probably for numbers for him a very good move to go out to Sacramento. I know he wanted to be traded to a title contender from Indiana, but now that he is out there, he is going to have ample opportunity, I think, to just stack major numbers for this team. Obviously, doesn't have a lot behind him. You know, Marvin Bagley wore out his welcome in Sacramento long ago, so... You know, that's, I mean, I wouldn't lay it here, but I think it's a justifiable favorite. Yeah, the, the juice is is a lot, but I like both the favorites in this. I mean, the, besides the fact that they're both up in their rebounds per game stat, what you just said about, I mean, Sabonis' season is going to look like this. He's going to have games where he throws up major stats, and probably two or three weeks from now, he's going to, you know, have a, a foot sprain or something that's mm-hmm. going to need to sideline him for a couple weeks. Right. You, you know, well, you know how we know that in Indiana. Yes. Yeah, you know, we, we were already starting to see that. Nurkic, we all hope you get better in Portland, but, you know, right. weird, <laughs> weird timing with your foot injury that came about. Um, so, like, I, that's where one I would actually feel pretty confident even laying that kind of juice in. And then the other one, Luka Doncic on here. Okay, Mitchell Robinson, you never know when that guy's going to be in and out of the lineup. And Luka, they don't have any bigs anymore in Dallas. Mm-hmm, right. I, I mean, that guy's as big as anybody Dallas can put on the court right now. And he's going to be so high usage, too, that obviously not only from the outside, but he can drive to the inside. So, look, he's going to get his fair amount of offensive rebounds. I mean, the guy's a big dude. He's in much better shape now, but he is a really strong, massive dude that I don't think sometimes people realize and they take for granted because he can go so bonkers from three. Well, you, you beat me to the punch there. He's probably going to play 40 minutes a game down yes. the stretch here. So, you're going to be in a scenario where you're going to get extra rebounds you wouldn't necessarily have gotten earlier in the year that will help that average go up. Let's go to assists per game head-to-head real quick here. Uh, Kyle Lowry against LaMelo Ball. Lowry uh, four-tenths ahead of Ball right now. He's a slight favorite, minus 120 on Kyle Lowry. Morant versus LeBron. Ja currently a favorite at minus 125, four-tenths ahead of LeBron. And then Mike Conley against Marcus Smart. Both of them at 5.3. Conley, minus 130 favorite was. Yeah, all all of these, I think, make a little sense. LeBron is kind of interesting here because – how much can the Lakers make their way in? Because we know that there's a lot of uh, controversy and consternation within the organization. Uh, Team Clutch Sports, LeBron and Rich Ball, uh, <laughs> not very happy with Rob Palenka as if he put the team together and those other two guys oh, that yeah. I just mentioned didn't. <laughs> but nevertheless, is LeBron all of a sudden, you know, going to be okay, I got to go get mine here. I'm, you know, I like to be a facilitator, but it's like, we are shorthanded now. Yep. I've got to score pretty much night in and night out. So I think that would lean toward Ja. Yeah, I think that that's the only one I would, I, I would lean towards a bet on. These other two, I think are priced perfectly. Ja, I would actually probably bet on this from exactly what you just said. We're going to see LeBron coming out just trying to score all that he can mm-hmm. with AD sideline. And then same thing as we were talking about with Sabonis. If this Lakers season gets even worse somehow, Okay, LeBron might have a, a, a knee thing pop up or something. Need to need to sit out a couple weeks. Three for three. 
We're in agreement. That's the only one that I like there, John Morant against LeBron. I think LeBron's more likely to average 32 a game yeah. than he is staying on that six-and-a-half assist mark that he's at right now. The second or the second half, the fourth quarter, whatever you want to call it, starting tonight in the NBA, we look at NBA MVP odds, a close race. Coming your way next, primetime action. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check out the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on number of tickets and where the money doesn't match public opinion. Data is available for money line, total, and spread bets. Betting splits, another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check it out now. Today's betting splits for every game. VEASAN.com. It is primetime action here on VSIN. I'm Jeff Barles. Kelly Bindland's here. Wes Reynolds is here. Micah Adams is going to join us in 15 minutes' time to talk some NBA. But we're going to talk some more NBA here because the final quarter of the season, I think that's the proper yes. usage with how yes. far back the All Star game is now. Underway right now. Cleveland, by the way, leading Detroit 19 to 12 in the first game back of the. Uh, of the final quarter of this season, see, I'm, I can't, I can't we're, even we're get into my kids because they I can't even get into my head. They don't right. split it equally in no. terms of because I want to say second half of the season. There's like 20 games left for these guys. It's almost like exactly a quarter. Jeff is right. Yeah. It, it is almost exactly a quarter. And yet, and yet, my brain goes to first half regardless because of what, that's when all star games are at least supposed to be. I know that's not the case anymore in the NBA. Uh, regardless, though. NBA MVP is, is is shaping up to be an incredible race mm-hmm. down the stretch here, guys. And the odds of DraftKings going into this final quarter of the season have Joel Embiid as the favorite, plus 130 right now at DraftKings to be the NBA MVP. Nikola Jokic, the reigning MVP, at plus 270. Giannis at 4-1. to one. Everyone else double digits. Steph Curry and John Morant technically round out your top five of 10-1 to one and 11-1, to one respectively. Wes... I'm on Team Jokic here. I'm on Team Jokic because Embiid and Jokic's seasons are pretty much even. Mm -hmm. But to me, Jokic carrying a significantly worse supporting cast Mm -hmm. to right now a top six seed and avoiding the playing games in the Western Conference is more impressive than where Philadelphia is in the standings because Philadelphia's supporting cast is better than Denver's. I'd be with you here on Jokic, and let me start just kind of examining Embiid first. 29.6 a game. He's trying to become the first center since Shaq in 2000 to win the MVP. That was the only time Shaquille O'Neal won the MVP. You would have thought he won more, but look, uh, we're going to see how he and Harden are going to work together. We'll get a look at that tomorrow. Obviously, the Sixers much better. 10 points better per 100 possessions with him on the floor versus off the floor. So he has had to carry this team, of course, no Ben Simmons throughout the season. And now he is uh, a member of the Brooklyn Nets. And I know he finished first in the straw poll and he's a favorite for a reason. But the question is going to be how Harden impacts those numbers. We know James Harden sometimes dribble, 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 dribble 
ISO, get to the foul line, and Bede's yep. got his man pinned. Maybe he doesn't see him, and Harden goes ahead and takes a shot. So how much is Harden's usage rate when you bring a high-usage player in with Joel Embiid? How is that going to affect him going forward? So, so, so that's Wes, why. We actually have some details on that uh, as Ooh. of a few minutes ago. So uh, James Harden will make his debut tomorrow night for the Sixers. Uh, this is from Tim Bontemps. Doc Rivers says the plan is for at least – Two of James Harden's Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and Tyrese Maxey to be out on the court at all times Mm -hmm. to ensure Philadelphia has consistent offensive threats out there at all times. So we don't know exactly how they're going to mix things up, but I think that's a little bit of a wink-wink yes. We are going to separate Harden and Embiid a bit Mm -hmm. to let them each control the amount of usage that they need to be successful. I can't wait to see how Doc manages to mess that up. Right. I can't wait to see how he manages to mess that up. Uh, uh, but look, you're, I, I'm with you on on the Harden taking, taking a little, as Will Hill put it this morning on a numbers game, taking a little bit of the food off the plate for yes. Joel Embiid. Yes. Where, again, it, it, it's been a, a full plate the whole year because he's had to carry Philadelphia. And, and he that, doesn't have to anymore. That with Thursday now. night performance, by the way, I was in here with Matt Brown on this show last week. That Thursday night performance in Milwaukee, that was one of the best that I have seen all season. He willed that team to a victory over a team that has really owned the Sixers. But So he's the rightful favorite. But going back to our guy Jokic here, of course, without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter Jr., let's not forget the role guys that have been out in and out of the lineup too. Jamichael Green has missed time. Will Barton missed time. Austin Rivers has missed time. And yet the Nuggets are 33 and 25 and maybe could make a run for that top four in the Western Conference. 26 points on 57% shooting, 14 rebounds, about seven, a little over seven and a half assists, still shooting 37% from the three. So look, leading the league nearly in every single advanced statistic. I know, you know, you run the numbers and you say, okay, with him on the floor and without him on the floor, it is absolute night and day 20.1 to the plus with him on the floor compared to off the court. So Jokic would probably get my vote at this standpoint. Yeah. And I believe that stat you just brought up Wes, would be an NBA record. If that, if he ended up closing the season with that So I, I'm with you guys. Jokic would be my MVP if the season ended today. Uh, I might be a little biased. I do have a 14-1 ticket on him, so hopefully that happens. But, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I think it's those top four on that graphic, though. I don't think that Steph Curry's out of this by any means. I don't either. I think that people, when so much of the beginning of the season gets lost with everything going on with football, what they're going to remember about the beginning of the NBA season is the Warriors getting, getting back to Warriors' way and playing good basketball and Steph Curry scoring a ton. This whole around the holidays, me mixing in some bad games, it's going to get lost a little bit. He had a bad month. He had a bad January, but Mm. let's not forget Draymond obviously being out impacts that defense if he gets back. And I think he's already started to come around a little bit, too. Yes, you know, Steph's able to finish the season strong. He's going to be right there in that conversation. So a couple people have asked me this. Scooping him up at double digits at 10 to 1, 11 to 1, 12 to 1, I don't think it's a bad bet at all. I don't have a problem with it. And also, too, if Golden State somehow catches Phoenix out west, then you have a very much live ticket on Steph Curry. Yeah. Yeah. More likely than not, it will be because Steph went off down the stretch here. Uh, are we giving DeRozan any chance, by the way, guys, at this point, unless if the Bull, it's really got to well, be the Bulls got to get the one. As seat. the national media kind of starts to pick up this refrain, I think the odds are going to be cut. But if you look at DeRozan, because Kelly and I had a conversation last week about this, and he's having a phenomenal year. I don't want to throw cold water on it at all. But if you look – 
he predominantly, I know he's getting five rebounds and five assists a game, but he is primarily like a scorer. Right. You don't really know him as a really good defender like Giannis, really good defender. Joel Embiid, pretty darn good defender. So they add value from that standpoint. And I just think DeRozan, he's doing a lot of scoring right now. But, of course, his teammate, Zach Levine, who's now back, who missed time, he's averaging about a little under 25 a game. So you got to think maybe that sugar's going to be shared a little bit more with DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. Of course, DeRozan averaging 28 uh, points a game, 52% from the floor. I mean, I think it's one of those, if you think the Bulls are going to get the one seed in the East, then sure, you should you should definitely bet this right. at 22 to 1. I get those, those just are completely correlated. If you think the team's going to do that well, you should absolutely bet this at 22 to 1. I don't, so I'm going to stay away. But yeah, I, I mean, DeRozan's had a heck of a season. That, whole, that team has had an amazing season. We all seem to expect them to regress, but it's, uh, hey, I'm going to give them a tip of the cap no matter what for mm-hmm. the season the Bulls have had. Cause and I want to say, I wanna say uh, the guy that's being ignored, even though he's 4-1. to one, Now, if you grab him at 8-1, to one, I thought it was a good bet. But Giannis, Giannis having another great season here, very quietly up there in Milwaukee. Now, the one thing is with Milwaukee, they did trade DiVincenzo at the deadline. So you've got Drew Holiday and you've got Grayson Allen. You don't have a lot of guards behind these guys and of course uh, Lopez being out that looms large for for the defense and Milwaukee's just kind of been cruising like coasting along a little bit so you wonder is it going to be like okay we've won the championship we can flip the switch whenever we want and all of a sudden be in a different team but the stats if you look at Giannis and like Embiid very equal well they I'm happy you brought up that the, the flip of the switch point because that's Really, the whole question mark with handicapping Milwaukee in the markets that we did the last few days, the one-seed market, the two-seed market, and it does play into Giannis because if Milwaukee goes on, let's say they go 15-5, and 16-4, and four, mm-hmm. end up with the two or the one-seed, then you could really start hearing the Giannis noise again in this market. I Look, I don't think he's done for either. I think, I think Kelly's right. I think you're right. I think the top four at least – even though the one and two are clearly ahead right now, this could very easily be in a four, be a four horse race mm. by the time we get to the last month of the year. Now with Milwaukee, uh, uh, they have the toughest remaining strength of schedule Correct. when you look at it. So they're going to get Phoenix, they're going to get Golden State, they're going to get Memphis, the two best, or and Utah as well. The four best teams out west. A couple of those games are going to be at home. I know Phoenix has to make the return trip to Milwaukee. They got them a couple weekends ago or weeks ago on Thursday night. But toughest schedule for the Bucks. But if Giannis was at like eight to one, I think that would be very attractive. So if you grab yeah. that good on you, but at four to one, just not a it's lot tough. there for me. I think the other guy, if people were asking out there, you know, what about Devin Booker? Well, here's the thing. I would have told you at the odds that they were a week and a half ago at 35 to one, when him and Chris Paul were both 35 to one, I would have told you back then, no, you can't bet this because these guys are going to steal votes from each other. But now Chris Paul goes out and his odds get slashed to, what, 18 to 1? Now I just don't think it's bettable. I, I like, we think Devin Booker could have, he's going to have a ton of usage. He's going to get a ton of shots up, a ton of points. But like we talked about last time, at what point is he going to start missing games or have to play less minutes because this team's so high up in the standings? Mm-hmm. 100%. That Booker's definitely, I'd rather have DeRozan on that column than yeah. Booker for yeah. sure. Micah Adams of Sporting News talking NBA with us next on Primetime Action. You are looking live. 
Live at Primetime Action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Want more NBA insight? Go check out Hardwood Handicappers today. Our senior NBA analyst, JVT, that's Jonathan Von Tobel, looks at all the angles for every game on the card and beyond. Futures market as well. Plenty of betting opportunities all year long in the NBA, nightly basis, futures-wise. So check out Hardwood Handicappers today. The podcast is free and available now at vston.com slash podcast wherever you get your podcast today. And while you're there, make sure to catch up on all of our podcasts and VEASAN shows as well at vston.com slash podcast. It is primetime action here on VEASAN. I'm Jeff Parles. Kelly Bidlin's here. Wes Reynolds is here. And now with us, the Sporting News Assistant Manager, Micah Adams, with us right now to talk some association. Micah, thanks for being with us tonight. And, and let's just dive right in. We were talking about it in the last segment. If you were voting today on the NBA's MVP award, who would your vote go to? So it's two different questions, right? It's who would I vote for today? And then who's going to win it? Mm-hmm. If I'm voting today, it's Joel Embiid, right? I, 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 I think it's pretty neck and neck with, with him and Giannis. I think Jokic is probably having the best season, but I'm sorry if you're sixth place in your conference, unless you're Russell Westbrook averaging a triple double history says you can't win the MVP. Uh, if the season ends today, it's Embiid. Uh, by the season end, I do think it will be Giannis at the end of the year. So, uh, Micah, when you look at, like, Jokic and just kind of judging maybe the pulse of what you know about the voters, we know that he's had to carry this team, and they are down in sixth place, but they've been without Murray, they've been without Porter Jr., they've been out without a bunch of role players. Do you think that he is going to get at least some credit for that, though? Should we see a run here maybe next month where Denver plays the easiest schedule in the league? It's funny you, had, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that nugget at the end because that's what exactly what I was going to say. I think when you uh, when you account for uh, home and road days rest, I think they have the fourth easiest remaining schedule in the NBA. Yeah, they're sixth in the West. They've also had the NBA's hardest schedule so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Jokic is doing this with the second leading score is Will Barton. <laughs> uh, I you know Murray comes back, Michael Porter Jr. comes back. Everybody in that rotation bumps up two slots. Right. So I do think he's going to get a lot of credit. I do think they're going to make a run. However, I also look at it and I, I and I do think what there's seven games back of third in the West under the current playoff seating. Right. That we have 38 years of history here. Only once has an MVP come outside of the top three in their conference and only three other times has someone even been third. Now, one of them was Jokic last year. So they got to make a huge run. Uh, I expect that they will. I actually, though, don't think it will be enough to win the MVP. Micah, let's uh, just look at the playoff picture here. We'll go to the East first, and we'll make our way to the West because the East is is really any possibility is still alive here with Miami, Chicago, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Milwaukee all within two and a half games of each other in the top top five spots. Uh, if you're if you're looking at this uh, two months from now, who is the number one seed in the Eastern Conference? Uh, I think it's going to be Miami followed by the Cavs. And I want to start by sort of fading Chicago, which pains me very much so because I, I'm a, I grew up on Michael Jordan. I'm a diehard Bulls fan, but let's be honest. I mean, they've played the NBA's easiest schedule so far. They have the NBA's hardest remaining schedule, right? They have the fifth best scoring margin in the East. 
That's also ahead of both Philly and Brooklyn, both of whom just got significantly better. Uh, they're 38 and 21, uh, that they, but they really have the scoring margin of a team that's at about 34 and 25. So I think we could take Chicago out as great of a story as they've been. Uh, I think to me, it's Miami followed by Cleveland. So much of that is schedule related. Uh, you know, Miami's got a, a, a relatively easy schedule from here on out. I think they're getting healthier. They're getting better. Uh, a lot of sort of the, the early season wards, Duncan Robinson being one of them. He's come on strong. I like Miami to finish uh, with the number one seed followed by Cleveland. So, uh, Mike, uh, let's get to a couple teams that you kind of briefly mentioned there, but of course not one of your top two, that being the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, the big, biggest trade at the deadline. Harden now a member of the Sixers. Ben Simmons now a member of the Nets. Mayor Adams, no relation to you, in New York City <laughs> did come out yesterday and say, we're going to start lessening uh, you know, the restrictions in terms of COVID, which obviously is good for Kyrie Irving. Who do you think, at least in terms of just this season, is going to get the better end of this trade, Philadelphia or Brooklyn? I, I think it's Brooklyn. And, and I say that because I think you have to look through the prism for both teams of not, not necessarily like win a title or bust, but they're both in it to win it. So I think that uh, there's a higher ceiling for Brooklyn there. Uh, but I also think that there's more volatility, whereas I, I think the Sixers are a little bit more dependable, right? Like the, I think they're going to be predictable yet imposing down the stretch, right? Uh, you know, James Harden isolations, Joel Embiid post-ups on a points per possession basis, literally the two most uh, effective plays over the last three seasons in the NBA. However, I do think like if, if you could, if you could pick the perfect player to put next to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it might actually be Ben Simmons. I, I, I can't believe that that guy uh, has has gone through all that we've been through, and he ended up in the perfect basketball situation. There was always going to be diminishing returns in Brooklyn with Kyrie and James Harden and Kevin Durant, and now you insert somebody that uh, can switch five positions, that shores up what's been one of the worst defenses in the league, uh, at least in terms of, of among the good teams. I, I like Brooklyn's ceiling a lot more than I do Philly's. I think Philly has uh, some interesting fit uh, questions there to figure out now Harden and Embiid are, are incredible players, right? So even though James Harden has never really played with anyone quite like Joel Embiid, I have no doubt in my mind that he'll figure it out. Uh, but I, I think that they're, they're a lot more shallow than, than you might think upon, uh, upon first guess, right? You look at that Philly starting lineup, right? After that top four, it gets pretty thin, right? It's Cork Maz who's shooting 29% from three. Danny Green, who do not pull up his basketball reference page. It's ugly, right? They, <laughs> they, they get really deep. They don't have a big bench. And uh, that concerns me a little bit for Philly. So I like this deal for Brooklyn, both now and in the future. Mike Adams with us right now here on primetime action, of course, of sporting news. Mike, I, I want to just look at the West real quick. Phoenix has a six and a half game lead on Golden State. Chris Paul, we know, is getting is going to be out at least six to eight weeks, maybe longer, because of course the wording was reevaluation of that thumb. Are you giving Golden State any chance to catch Phoenix, or is Phoenix safe on that number one line? 
I think Phoenix is safe on the number one line. Although, I mean, I mean, it, it does. You you can't talk about Phoenix without talking about Chris Paul's impact on on everyone on down that roster, right? Like Bismack Biombo looks like an All NBA player uh, playing with Chris Paul. So they're going to slide a little bit, but I think that there's just too much ground to make up there. And let's not forget either, like Golden State. Uh, they're dealing with Draymond's back injury. They haven't ha- welcomed James Wiseman back into the rotation. They're going to have to integrate him. So it's not as if like Golden State is right here humming on all cylinders, ready to go on some season ending 20 and four tear or something. So I think that Phoenix is a safe bet to finish with the number one seed. Uh, but I, you know, I'm not so sure that either of them come out of the West, if I'm going to be quite honest, though. So I, I think it's going to be a free for all. So that brings me, Mike, of course, we did talk about the Nuggets. The schedule is easier, so you could see them moving up the standings. But we see Golden State in that two spot, you know, six and a half back of the Suns, and we've got the Jazz and the Grizz right behind them. Do you think either or both of those teams pass Golden State by the time the regular season's concluded? Uh, I do, I do not. I, I, I actually think that we're, we're going to see, we're going to see a Phoenix golden state one, two. I like Memphis more than Utah. Um, you know, Utah to me, honestly, like they could go undefeated from here on out the rest of the way and finish second in the West. And I still wouldn't pick them, uh, forever. Whoever's coming out of that play in game, especially if it's going to be a fully, a fully healthy Lakers, a fully healthy Clippers. I just don't trust Utah. Uh, but I do think that ultimately we're going to have one, two Phoenix. I like Memphis a lot more, uh, than Utah. I think they're a more complete team. I think they're hungrier. I think, I think they play a harder style to match up with. And, and I think that the strengths of their team are ones that are going to transition better and carry over better into the playoffs. Micah, we got a, a two word answer for you here. Who are the two teams that are playing in the NBA Finals? Milwaukee and Denver. Denver. Here we Denver. go. You taking mm-hmm. taking a shot down the board with the Nuggets at I, sixteen to one to come out of the West. There you go. There's there, have, there you go, Micah. I had Denver at the beginning of the year, and I'm not off of it. Jamal Murray is going to come back. Michael Porter Jr. is going to come back. Denver's coming out of the West, and then they'll lose to Milwaukee. There we go. Hey, they look. Uh, not every day we get a guest to say I a like 16 it. to one shot. I, I like that. Den- I that's like what it. Denver is right now out of the West. He's Micah Adams. Get him on the tweets at Micah Adams 13. Find his great work in sporting news as well. Micah, pleasure as always. Thanks for being with us tonight. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Micah. That's great. Right out of the, right out of the, the gate at the end of the final of the go first big hour or of the go show, home. I said we get, we get a sixteen to one to win the West with the Nuggets from Mike, and that's spectacular. We're gonna update you on what's going on around college hoops in the NBA. That's next primetime action.